Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Hello and welcome to this episode of That's What She Said. I am with the lovely and wonderful and talented Tara Lever. She will say Tara Lever because she is British and she makes amazing work and I can't wait to uh, have a conversation about art and uh, introversion and hermiting and doing your work in the world as we speak right now. Hello, Tara. Hi, Kristen. So good to be here. Good. I'm so glad to have you. So, because I always forget, will you tell people um, what you do and where they can find you right at the beginning? Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, well, I guess I'm primarily an artist. I work in acrylics and mixed media. Um, and I also run online courses based on, well, they focus on the process aspect of painting. So it's more about finding out who you are as an artist, what your unique painting style is, what your approach is, a kind of finding a focus because I think a lot of the time people are sort of this because when you're creative you want to do all the things and everything looks appealing and exciting and you want to try everything and that's certainly been true for me as well and I noticed when I was more a student than I was a teacher or before I started teaching online um, I noticed that a lot of the time you know I'd try all these different things and I'd end up with art that looked like 50 different artists had made it and I just thought that was me and I just kept going and I kept going because it's a compulsion and then the more I did the more I noticed that other people were having the same sort of problems and that you know if they wanted to show in galleries or they wanted to be maybe taken a bit more seriously as an artist um, they sort of find that it didn't look so professional or whatever so they wanted to narrow down but they didn't know how because obviously there's this constant push-pull with wanting to try everything and, and not being quite sure necessarily what's your own and sort of working that out in such a way that you can make art that really is your own and, you know, sort of makes it makes some comment about your uniqueness in the world. Um, but without that whole kind of, you know, just trying everything. So I started making courses with that in mind and it's just growing from there. Yeah, your work has a beautiful cohesion to it that um, that I'm like, that's that's her, that's her, that's her, that's her. But it isn't just like a repetitive, um, like there are some bands that every song they sing, you're like, oh, that's their song. That's their, that's, oh, there it is again. All right. Um, so I think that you've done that really well, which is every painting is completely different. And yet you can still pick it out of a crowd as that's hers, that's hers, that's hers. That's not her. That's not her. That's her, which is remarkable and well done you 
Well, thank you so much. That's a massive compliment. And I have to say, it's taken me, it took me a good eight years to get to that point, which is not meant to sound disheartening. And it's certainly not true for everyone that it takes that long. But I think in some sense, it's also encouraging because you do have to put the time in. You have, you have to do your 10,000 hours or whatever. So it's, you know, it's so nice when, when you get to a point where people do start to recognize your work. Um, but don't be under any illusion that that's been like a really easy, straightforward road. Yeah, people will say the same thing um, with my writing, that you just have this great voice and you, um, how do you get that? And you're like, well, you just endlessly, relentlessly go in and go in and go in and try again and try again and try again. And like, well, is there an easier way? Like, like I wish there was an easier way, uh, but no. Uh, when did you know you were uh, an artist like at what age were you like this is probably going to be it for me um that's such a hard question in a way because I think I always knew like I mean all kids love to make art they love that that means of expression and I wasn't any different from that um but then I guess I was I lost it for a long time so it's sort of been a on-off relationship um you know sometimes I've neglected it or I've lost it for various reasons um but I think it was always there under the surface even even the times when I wasn't doing anything creative and you know I wasn't well or whatever and it just I think I believe it was always there I just forgot or I didn't it just didn't occur to me because my energy was was in other places um but then I think in terms of more recently it was it was about nine years ago um, there was kind of a major turning point and I really got it back and sort of got it back for good this time, I think. Yeah. What happened nine years ago? Um, well, uh, I should probably go a bit, a bit back before that, just for context. Um, I have a long history of depression, um, which I know um, is something you've also experienced and um, a lot of people go through. Um, especially I think if you're creatively minded, it's, it just seems to come with the territory a lot of the time. Uh, and I, I guess from about the age 11 until around 30-ish, a little over 30, I was sort of in and out of sort of bouts of very, well, I suppose it wasn't always hardcore. Sometimes it was mild and I could function, but sometimes it was, you know, bedridden, not getting up not being able to do anything except stare at the wall kind of thing. So um, I'd just come out of one of those, the really, really bad periods. Um, and I decided that I had to move out. I was living in London at the time and I decided I had to leave London. I had a really unhealthy lifestyle there. Um, got mixed up in some things that were not helping me get better. Um, and my parents lived down on the coast and I just thought, I need to be near the sea and I need to be somewhere that's not the middle of nowhere because I will probably become a recluse and go mad, which <laughs> 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 might not have been a bad thing, but I don't know. I just, I wasn't healed enough at that point to, to sort of run away and, and be in too much solitude. So I figured I should probably be somewhere where there were some people around and Brighton seemed like, seemed like the, uh, the best option because it's very near to my parents. Um, so I moved down here and that's when it all shifted. I got a little place and I hooked up to the internet and I discovered that there was this whole world of people online making art and sharing it on their blogs and talking about it. And um, 
then I discovered the online courses and it just kind of went from there. Yeah. How long did it take um, from the time that you had that turnaround point to the point where you were like, oh, this is this is going to be the way that I make my living? Because I'm assuming that was not like a three week process of like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it was so easy. I didn't <laughs> Um, I think, well, initially it was about, I think it was about me, basically it was about me rediscovering myself and getting well and just finding my way back kind of thing. Um, and I didn't have any thoughts about it being anything more than that. You know, I, I take courses as a student, online courses, but I mean, for the longest time, it never even occurred to me that I could be the other side of it. You know, that I could be the teacher. And then when I did started thinking, um, thinking about that, um, Obviously, I thought there was just no way in hell I could possibly do it. I didn't know enough and I couldn't be a teacher and all of that stuff. And, you know, it was all just, you know, I think it's quite normal things to think, but not certainly not necessarily true. Um, so I guess it took, I'm trying to think. I, my first course came out in 2013. So I guess it took about five or six years to get to a point where I felt comfortable enough with my own process and my own art and working online and using the technology and all that stuff. Cause obviously there's quite a steep learning curve with all, all of that. Sure. Um, and then, and you know, I did just, a lot of it was an experiment. That's kind of my philosophy of art and life is just to put it into, put everything into experiment mode because then it takes the pressure off everything being perfect, which is, you know, it's very easy to slip into that. And if everything's an experiment, you don't have to know what the outcome is. And if it isn't what you sort of hoped, it doesn't matter. And you can always change course and whatever. So um, that's, yeah, I think, I guess it was about five years of like constantly just digging into my own process. Well, that sounds easy. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> because in a way it's like and I'm sure you can relate to this it's it's not I mean we all talk about choice and stuff but it, I don't think it's necessarily something that you choose I think it also chooses you and it's like a compulsion I can't there's nothing else I would have done I, there wasn't it was just what I needed to do and I didn't see it as leading anywhere it was just what I needed to do and what I needed to do each day and you know and then, and then in the doing of it, it started to grow into something else that I couldn't have foreseen. So, yeah. Yeah, it feels more like the choices to do it or not, but the choice, you don't really get to pick what the doing of it is. Yeah, or what it will look like or how it will sort of manifest itself in your life. Like, I always was really, I knew two things. I wanted to do something creative or make art and I wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, know what that would look like and so I tried an awful lot of things that seemed to fit in those boxes but didn't fit me um which I think has actually stood me in good stead now but yeah I think it's it's just something that you you have to discover by doing the work I don't think there's any other way to do it yes and I think the other side of that uh, when you say helping people um, for some reason, one of my personal hangups that I will expose now is that helping people always has to look like solving the problem with plastics or saving lives or delivering vaccines to children in war or <laughs> like that, that helping people has to be really dramatic and really like war torn, like bodily threat harm has to be available at all times in order for it to quote unquote count. Yes. And it has to be um, really visible. 
Like everybody has to know you're doing it. <laughs> yes. You know, really yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing that it sounded like is that when you turn everything into exper an experiment, either you were born that way or you were a total perfectionist and had to come to that realization over time. Nothing <laughs> gets past you, does it? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's, um, I was not born that way. Let's just say that. And, you know, I still, it's not like I got rid of the perfectionist part of myself at all. I think it's still in there and, and, you know, she still likes to come out now and then and keep me on my toes. Um, but it's just, you know, you adopt things that I guess having been through the depression and knowing what it's like to be right at the bottom, you do, you do just look for any way to make life work better. And because you're doing that all the time on the way to getting well, you inevitably come across things that just work with who you are or whatever. And then you can just adopt those. And it, I've found that a lot of those kind of things can be used across the board. They're kind of like universal truths. So the experimental thing, it works really well in the studio and it really works well in my life in general. Mm. Yes. That, um, that in some weird way, depression is kind of like the ultimate form of freedom because when you're not in depression everything else is so easy and so like well of course we can do that and people that have never experienced depression are like you can't you can't possibly dye your hair pink and wear that um or you can't possibly be painting every day or you can't possibly sell things online and be like look i'm not staring at a wall so life is good right now i can do that i can like i'm not crying for no reason in a hole somewhere wishing to die so yeah i can totally do that <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's funny because it's like we know that we know in theory that you don't have to learn through suffering. But I, I often wonder, you know, if, there, if you didn't have any suffering, would you actually learn anything? And maybe that is part of it is that, I mean, probably it's probably fair to say that almost all, if not all of my students have been through something horrendous. I mean, I don't think you can really get through life without something happening. And it's that that, you know, going right to the bottom and the real, just the desperateness of it. And the contrast that that then gives you is like, that's actually really powerful. Like you say, I love what you said, that it was like the ultimate form of freedom. It's like, yeah, because it, it, you've seen what it could be like. So now you've got something to, to gauge against. Yeah. Any day that you're not at a zero is a good day. You're like, I'm at a seven. Watch this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Like, um, do you find that your uh, that your art helps to reflect your depths, or do you find that it helps you explore your depths, or um, or some combination thereof? Like, how does your art work in relation to your emotional life at any given time? That's such a good question. Um, I think. It's also quite hard to answer because I know a lot for a lot of artists, it's like I paint my feelings, especially a lot of abstract artists. That's how that sort of comes out. And I'm not I don't think I could say it's a I don't think it's a direct route. I don't think it's like this is how I feel today. So this is what I'm painting kind of thing. Um, but it's absolutely woven in. I mean, it is quite difficult to explain, I guess. Because of the, the way that I paint, I had this epiphany last year about how I paint. And I realized that everything that I've been painting up to that point was 
it was me trying to express what freedom felt like. And I think this again also goes back to the whole depression thing, because that's really the opposite of freedom. Um, it was just like, I suddenly saw my whole life in a whole different way. It was like, you know, every, everything had been a bid for freedom. And a lot of the time I'd felt like I didn't have any. So now when I make art, it's about that, but it's not like, I mean, freedom is such an abstract concept. You can't paint that. You can just, you can only really try to express it through filters. So for me, that comes out in, um, at the moment, it's abstract landscapes because they're very open and it's, you know, it's partly abstract, but it's partly based in something you can recognize. Um, I feel like I might be going off on a tangent here. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. But. Yeah, it's a good tangent because I don't know... Um some days, like I know that in my work, some days it feels like, oh, there's something I definitely need to write about. And some days it's more about just sitting and being like, well, what would like to express itself today? And I wondered if, um, if you have a plan, if you're like Mondays or this, Tuesdays or this, or if it's more like, let's just see what happens. Oh yeah. And I never have a plan. I mean, not like Mondays or this, Tuesdays or this. I would die if I had to live like that. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, no, I think, well, I mean, sometimes obviously you have an idea, like there'll be a spark or I'll see something or I'll just be like, oh, that could be a thing. And then I will start to like use my materials and, and see what comes together. Um, and sometimes I'll start with nothing. You know, it's just I just want to feel the, the tactility of the paint and I want the sensory experience of it. And then something will come from that. So it's really it's not something I can pin down into one thing. Yeah. And that's cool. I just wondered, um, there's no right or wrong there. Um, what would you say is the hardest part of the work you do? Um, do you mean like be, making art or in terms of the sort of the, the work online, the teaching online? Any of it. Cause it's all tied together. Um, yeah, <laughs> I guess the, uh, the, what you'd call the muggle part of it, <laughs> the, you know, the sort of admin and the, dealing with emails coming in and some days you know I don't get depressed anymore but some days I just want to shut the whole thing down and be done with it and you know emails will still come in and I'll still need to be friendly and polite and say you know find the right words and it's it can be very difficult on those days to to function in the way that I need to given what I've created if you see what I mean yes so how do you um how do you handle the parts of you that are a total and complete like introvert recluse hermit and the parts of you that are like, I understand you bought something from me and you need your password today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that happens a lot. <laughs> right. So how do you personally build the bridge between those two selves that are sometimes very much at odds on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah. Um, I think part, part of what helps is remembering the bigger picture of it you know what I was saying about the compulsion it's like this is who I am and what I do and there isn't anything else that would make sense for me to do and this is how it has manifested I, I didn't know that it was going to end up being these online courses but in part that works so well if you're going to be an you know an introvert recluse hermit that's like the best possible way because you still get the contact with the humans but you can um modify it as you need to mm -hmm. um, but i think on the days where i just look at my inbox and want to run away and climb in a small hole um it really does help just to think about firstly that you know this is what i want to be doing you know no one's making me do it <laughs> Um, and it, you know, it does come with things that 
perhaps feel a bit more monotonous or, or whatever. But also at the other end of that email, there's a human being and how, you know, even if they've expressed it awkwardly or in a way that triggers me in some way, they just want some help with something. It's not, I, I tend to make things seem like a big deal in my head. And then I realize later that they're not at all. <laughs> I mean, an email <laughs> takes two seconds, doesn't it? Maybe two minutes if you have to really think about it. So I think it's just a matter of perspective, perhaps, you know, realigning with what's true for you. Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful way to look at it. And then at the other end of the hardest part, what is um, the most surprising part of the work you do? Um, well, this is probably going to sound a bit disingenuous, but I really mean it, <laughs> um, is that people want to be part of it and they are interested and they, that it actually does genuinely help people. I mean, again, because it's something that I feel like is in my nature to be doing. So I'd be doing it anyway. The fact that that, you know, connects with people is, it's just this amazing gift. And it's, it's kind of astonishing in a way. Um, and I don't want to be sort of falsely humble about it. You know, I think I've got to a point now where I am quite good at what I do. I have put the hours in, I do work on this every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's sort of like, I don't know, maybe you experience this as well with your work. You know, maybe you get an email after you've sent one of your podcasts out or something and someone says something like, this made a huge difference to my life. And you're just like, wow, I can't believe that I get to be part of that. Yes, I can't believe I get to do this. Like, this Mm. is what I do for a living. Yes, absolutely. And that it actually has a, a real life impact for people. And it's, you know, like you were saying before, it's not saving the world, um, but it's 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 the tiny things that probably will save the world. So actually it's still equally valuable, even if only you and that other person ever know that it helped them. Yeah. It's doing your part. Like my part, I don't do well when I haven't had sleep and I don't control my schedule. And uh, like, I, I, I am a sensitive little creature. And so I do well with noticing really small things and with articulating them to people like me. And that's probably not going to land me in war-torn Syria to deliver food, but um, I'll give money to the people that are doing that. <laughs> also, you know, that's, there are people who, who that is their compulsion, that is their thing. So, you know, there's a thing for all of us. And, for, you know, it's just because it doesn't look like what we've been taught is what is most significant or meaningful doesn't mean that what we do isn't. It's just different and it's quieter. Yeah, I think it's um, it's like how I was born with straight hair, so all I wanted was curly hair. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I think, um, do you think that's a part of humanity, that you just, if you are skinny, you want to be curvy, and if you have straight hair, you want curly hair, and if you're quiet, you want to be loud, and if you're loud, you're like, how is anyone quiet? Is that is that just a human thing, do you think? I don't know. I, that's a good question. I think I can, it's funny, because every question you ask me, I can think of two opposing uh, responses that I find to be equally true. <laughs> I mean, I think on the one hand, it is, it is human nature to want what you don't have just because we're curious and we, we want things. It's, it's human to want things. But then on the other hand, like I used to, I mean, <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing, but I used to want to be a supermodel and I'm sure that's not unusual <laughs> like when I was, when I was a teenager, yeah. you know, because I'm, I'm like, I'm five foot three and I was shorter than that then. And I've never been, you know, skinny since I was a kid. And I, I'm not conventionally beautiful. I was never going to be a supermodel, but it was something I really wanted. But as I've got older 
and I've started to know myself more and I healed from the depression and I accept more about who I am, I, I couldn't care less about that anymore. You know, that's not, so I think it's, it is partly human nature, but I think a lot of it is accepting this is what you got. This is what you came in with. So, and it's, and, and it's recognizing that that has its own intrinsic value, but it's, it's very hard for many of us to find out what that is, but that's kind of the life's work is to discover it and then let it out. I think. Yes, absolutely. And I've found that the parts of me that are the most hermity or that, that I want to hide the most are the parts that help other people the most. And so if you're born a hermit, your goal is to get a little less hermity. And if you're born like a superstar celebrity who takes on everyone, your goal is to get a little more quiet. So you know what's going on inside. Like, it's almost like we're all born at opposite ends of a spectrum and the goal is to get as far as you can toward the other side. And that's, that's what makes up the range of your humanity. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like that Walt Whitman quote, isn't it? We contain multitudes with everything is in there. And even though, you know, I would identify as an introvert and reclusive and, you know, hermity, and I, I like my solitude more than I like pretty much anything else. <laughs> <laughs> There is also a part of me that loves people and finding out about them and hearing their stories and having good discussions. And, you know, I mean, it's not that because I'm one thing, I can't be anything of the other. It's all in there. It's just, I guess, different amounts of focus on those things. If that makes sense. That does make sense. And I love that you're quoting Whitman. Um, so, <laughs> so speaking of that, um, of being this this multitude and all of these sort of range of people in there what does it mean um in your work and in your life to be uh, to be brave and to really push yourself to explore other other parts of the multitudes within you right now um well in work i think it's fair to say that the bravest thing i can do is a podcast at the moment <laughs> It's, well, meaning it's the scariest thing I can do. I mean, I always find, I find the word brave interesting because I think it's one of those words that other people use about you more than you'd use about yourself. So it's always a kind of outside validation kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the things I've done in my life that I didn't think required much bravery, people have been like, oh, you're so brave. You, you know, you jumped out of a plane, you wrote a book, you started a business, you are so brave. And it's like, well, not really, because I wasn't scared doing them. I just wanted to do them. Um, but then, yeah, so I guess there are, of course, always things that you're still scared of. And I'm, you know, I find the whole speaking, overwriting uh, a major challenge. <laughs> um, but then uh, and I think by extension in, in my life in general, that means relating is something that requires me to be brave because, I, you know, I am a very solitary person and it's taken me a really long time to learn to relate to other people in a way that is healthy. Mm. Um, and I'm still learning that, of course, um, but I think I'm getting better at it slowly. That's fair. That's, yeah, that I, I relate. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but in, in terms of places that you do really well and that you do seem to be relating, um, will you talk to me a little bit about Instagram? Because you appear to be just crushing it. Um, which like habits or experiments have worked best for you on that front and with relating to other people? Um, I think the key thing I learned about Instagram is that 
if I'm using it in a way that feels sustainable and fun to me, that automatically makes it work better. And that kind of sounds really obvious, I know, but I think for a lot of online business related things that holds true, but we don't seem to believe it until we've tried all the other things as well. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, You know, like the five steps to this or whatever, the things that, you you know, the the blueprints that never fit you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think for me, the, the key with it is just like, is tapping into that part of me that I was talking about that is fascinated by other people and that is interested in the minutiae of people's existence as it relates to creativity and art. And so I, I, I try to, well, I don't really try, I guess I just, I want to engage. So I ask questions and I talk about my own experiences and my processes in such a way that, and I think this also has come with practice, you know, initially I wasn't as good at it and now I've kind of found a groove with it. But, you know, people will say, yes, you've really put words to something I wasn't able to express in words yet. Um, and I think that's just because I'm in process all the time. You know, even if I'm not making art, I still consider myself to be in the process of it because it's there all the time in my mind and it's in me. It's, it's who I am. So there's always something to share about it there's always some little tidbit. So I guess it's just as trite as it sounds, it's, you know, just telling the truth about what's going on with you and then, and then making it relatable and asking questions and asking people to share their side of it. Yeah. I don't think it's trite at all to say that you're telling the truth about yourself because the truth is often vulnerable and it's easier to post a shiny picture and be like, isn't this painting amazing? It's for sale, buy it, the end. It's <laughs> hard for, for lots of people. Um, you know, asking people to buy your work is a whole nother kettle of fish. But yeah, I, I take your point, certainly. It's, there's ways and ways. And I think the more you do it, the more you start to appreciate the nuances of how to word something so that people can relate to it and come back with a response. Yes. Yeah. Um, will you talk a little bit more about the blueprint that never fits you? Um, what's been the hardest part of, of having and maintaining an online business as it relates to the blueprint that never fits you? Um, well, I think the hardest part in some senses is the consistency aspect. And I'm not sure if that really fits in with the blueprint thing, but I think especially if, if you're, that's the sort of one of the, the paradoxes of the whole being a creative person is that you don't want every day to be the same, but there are certain things that need to be done every day. And that, you know, there's a lot of structure, which your creative side doesn't want any part in, but it still has to be there. You still need that scaffolding of the finances and the, the website and the technical stuff. Um, and I think in terms of like, online business you know I've done a lot of courses at this point and I think in a way I had to do a lot of courses that weren't that helpful in order to discover what was helpful it's that contrast thing again you know like Mm -hmm. because at the beginning you don't know anything so you think that inevitably everyone else who's out there already doing it knows better than you do and in some senses that's true um, especially when it comes to the technology or whatever but I think when it comes to building it um, there's so many ways to do it and it's not, you don't have to follow five steps to whatever. And, and usually you'll get to like step three and be like, yeah, but wait, this is, I'm really bored or this is, <laughs> yeah. 
I really am comfortable doing that, but obviously I have to do it if I want to be successful. And it's like, it took me quite a while to learn that that's not the case, even though logically it's, it, of course that doesn't have to be the case, but to actually learn it experientially, it did take me quite a while. Yeah. That's a really, uh, it's a really beautiful way of putting it. And, um, what is your scaffolding? The stuff that's like, this has to be done every day. I know you don't want to creative, messy brain, but, um, what is, and obviously like you have to eat, you have to hydrate, you know, those things, but, but what is the personal scaffolding that you find holds your day up? Um, well, I do Tai Chi. Um, so that it's funny, Tai Chi, I have kind of a love hate relationship with it, but I do notice if I don't do it. So I do that every day Mm -hmm. and that kind of connects me back in because it's so familiar, you know, you just sort of do the moves and your body knows what to do. And my mind tends to go off on a tangent, (laughs) um, with it, but I think it's just, it's, it's a process. I guess it's, I'm obviously kind of obsessed with process, but it's something that I can go into and know it and come out the other side and then I've done it. And that sort of strings the days together. So I do find that really helpful. Um, And being, being by the sea. I mean, I don't go down to the beach every day, which is absurd because it's at the end of my road. (laughs) But I think you do do kind of end up taking it for granted a bit, which is, unfortunate but it's there I can see it out the window so as long as I'm near it and I can see it if not touch it you know that's that's the key thing for me mm. um and just lots of light I need lots of light so I'm probably living in the wrong country for that but <laughs> <laughs> no I, I totally get it it's good um what would you say is the least obvious thing that influences your day-to-day art making that's a hard one because everything influences it. And I know that's a really, (laughs) that's a really blanket lame response, but it does, you know, it's like the experience of living is what influences what I create. So it's, it's all intrinsically linked, but um, I guess, like, I suppose Instagram is quite a good example of this. Like I obviously I, I follow a lot of artists and painters and people who paint abstract landscapes because that's what I love the most well at the moment anyway um but then I'll also follow ceramicists and photographers and um people who take pictures of certain parts of the world or you know this it doesn't have to be within the painting box it could be anything um so I, I don't know if that answers the question but I think it's just I do take I, I take inspiration I guess my art antennae are up all the time so uh-huh. Such a good way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> so really everything is fair game. I am writing that down. Um, should you hear the Sharpie going? Yeah. The- <laughs> Sounds like you're writing it quite large. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I only write large. I don't, I can't handle notebooks with lines. It's oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you noticed a theme in like your very best work on your very best days. Is there any common thread that's like, oh, this happened on that day? Or is it just whatever wants to come out comes out? Um, do you mean with the painting or just like life? Especially with the paintings, because if you, um, if we took like your 10 top most favorite paintings that you've made in the last two years, 
would there be something obvious like, oh, that I was by the sea every day, or I woke up at 6am or I did Tai Chi, or would it be like, nope, no idea what ties all those together? I oh, know. I love that question. I'm just looking at that some, cause I keep some paintings just for me and I hang them around the house. So I'm just looking at them now to see <laughs> what the, th- what the thread would be, because actually they don't look that similar. Um, yeah, I think I do know it's, uh, it's sort of several parts, like the freedom thing. It's like, I can look at them and I've nailed it, but mm. they don't all look the same. It, it's not necessarily, oh, this is a painting that obviously expresses freedom. It's more like a connection between me and the painting because I, we have history, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think it's, there's a kind of spacious feeling to the ones that, that I feel are the most successful. And that again is connected with the freedom thing. Um, and I think one other key point is that the ones that this isn't always true, but the ones that are my favorite, best experience, best outcome, there's always, um, I have always got to what I call, uh, the fuck it point with them, (laughs) 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 which is basically, you know, that uh, all artists know about this. It's the point you get to and you're just like, Oh my God, I've, either I've completely ruined it or I don't know what to do. Or I'm completely stuck. And it's like this huge mountain has just appeared in front of you and you don't know how to bring it back or complete it or bring it into any kind of resolution. Um, so that, funnily enough, that actually, I think that also ties in with what I was saying earlier about the suffering is like some of my best paintings have the fuck it point in them because they, there's a struggle in there and I overcame it. So, mm. and you can't necessarily see that in the painting if you're not me. Um, but I think it does make better paintings because you've really pushed it. You know, you really have to, to find ways around to make it work. You really have to switch your creative brain on and, and try stuff. Yeah. Cause it would be much easier to just take the canvas, throw it out the window and never look at it again. Yeah. Or just gesso over the whole thing, which also does happen sometimes. <laughs> like this is, not salvageable but I love the challenge of it you know it's like no I don't want to give up on this yet I I know that there's something good to pull out of this um and I want to see if I can then you know the experimental mindset comes in you know what can I do to 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 bring it to a resolution it's kind of fun yeah and it's a really beautiful process of not giving up on yourself and your art again and again and again and again it's really really neat um so most of the people listening, my people, tend to be um, not painters, shockingly. And so the thought of, whoa, whoa, whoa you teach classes in painting. Like, um, can you talk a little bit more about the way that you teach painting? Because it is not, in the United States right now, there are a bunch of places called like painting with a twist. And there's a picture of an owl and a tree. And then you go in and you make exactly that painting with an owl and a tree. And then everybody has wine and it's great. Um, I actually don't think it's great. And, but I understand the process of like painting is intimidating. And so you come out the other side and you have a thing and look, you're a painter. And I think your approach is so much more interesting than that. So can you talk a little bit more about the way that you teach painting and the way that you help people find a way into making art? Yeah. Well, thank you for a start. Um, and I know exactly what you mean because I've seen a lot of that too. And actually my, my, I have a course called Abstractify, which is a term that I've made up, I think, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, for, for what, which it, it describes what I do, which is to take something recognizable and push it and, 
and move it around until it becomes something not recognizable. But in the process of that, it becomes something that's truer to me. Mm-hmm. So um, that course came out of seeing a lot of people taking courses and ending with ending up with work that looked just like the teachers. And I totally get it. It's not, it's not a judgment on that. And I think especially if you're a beginner and you don't know where to start and you'd like the whole white canvas is intimidating thing. You know, I totally get that. Um, But I think that everybody comes to a point after a little while where they realize that they've got some of the basics. Um, They know how to copy something adequately or whatever. Um, but it's not enough anymore. You know, it's not enough just to have covered the canvas and made something that looks pretty or that looks like what they were taught. They actually find that they want to say something and it, it wants to come from inside, not outside. So my courses are about that. They're about finding out who you are through the process of your art and then bringing that out in the art, um, which I find just endlessly fascinating and exciting. Like that's... I, the rest of my life, if I spend the rest of my life working on that, that would be good for me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it's, I think that way also is more forgiving because it means that you don't have to worry so much about rules. You don't, you know, it's helpful to know certain things. And I do cover those things like composition and values because those are a good scaffolding um, to hang your work off. And, and it, they make it easier to make a painting work visually. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they're just, they're not the main event for me. For me, it's about painting from the inside, from who you are and, and discovering who that is and having clarity about it and how you want to paint and what kind of marks you want to make and what materials. And it's a kind of void of discovery, you know, rather than this is what you have to do and this is how you do it. Yes. Oh, that's so beautiful. Um, and where can people pick up Abstractify? Um, well, it's on my website. The direct link is taralever.com forward slash abstractify. Um, I think by the time this comes out, I will have closed the current registration, but it will be open again um, either later this year or early next year. Um, cool. What would it surprise me to learn about you? <laughs> That's such a difficult question. I feel like I'm not surprising at all. Um, well, this isn't anything to do with art, but I really have trouble with people using my name. You know, when people talk to you and they use your name repeatedly in sentences, I find that really difficult. And I was thinking about why that would be, because it's not really anything, but it really, it, it, I think it's to do with identity. Like, I've never really felt like I match my name. <laughs> Getting really weird now, but um, yeah, I just, I, and I don't use other people's names very often either. I think it. I kind of like that namelessness. It's like it leaves everything open to possibility. Yeah, it always feels disingenuous to me. If people are like, Kristen, what do you think about? Hello, Kristen. How are you, Kristen? What's going on, Kristen? With your... I'm like, what are you? Are you... Is it like a false sense of intimacy you're trying to create? And it's not working. It's doing the opposite. <laughs> yeah. It, and also it feels like they're pointing their finger at me, like verbally. And it just doesn't feel very comfortable. Yeah. Like when I was in trouble, I got the full name. Like the... <laughs> yeah, the it's yeah. Like, that's funny. Um, are you a coffee... Coffee or... T- this is the lightning round. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Coffee or tea? Um, coffee in the morning, tea in the afternoon. 
Oh, the both answer. I like it. Sorry, I'm a Pisces. I could. <laughs> <laughs> um, Netflix or Hulu or some other option that they only have in Great Britain that I don't know about. Uh, Netflix. We don't have Hulu. I'm so sorry for your loss. <laughs> I don't know what I'm missing, so it's fine. I'm very it's happy. Good. It's good. When it comes, you're going to be like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, the best book that you've read recently. Oh, so many. Um... I just read a book called The Humans, which I actually think if you haven't read it, you'd really love. Um, it's, a, it's a very odd premise, so I'm not going to tell you what it is because that will put you off. Mm-hmm. Um, but just read it. It just gives such an interesting insight on what it means to be human. And I think that really, I mean, that, for me, that's a lot of what your work is about. So I really recommend that book to anyone. Awesome. And thank you. And uh, the fastest way to joy for you is to blank. Oh my God, <laughs> the pressure. Um, be by the sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, it's puppies. Just give me a dog. I would love to be otters for you. Otters um, in person are a little bit insane. Like they're a little bit like a two-year-old that's had a whole birthday cake. With sharp teeth. <laughs> yeah, like, they're just so, I'm like, whoa, everybody, we need to calm down a second. This is too much. So, um, so yeah, just, just puppies, dogs okay. of any kind. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you want people to know about you or you're like, I just want to say this. I don't know why. Um, now's your, your chance. Um, the thing that you want to do, you can do it, even if you don't believe it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I could elaborate, but I'd probably end up going on for like half an hour about it, but that's what it comes (laughs) down to. It's like, there's a thing that we all want to do. Hmm. Like if I said to, if someone said to me right now, there's a thing you want to do and you're not doing it, I'd know exactly what they were talking about. And I think that's true for everybody. Hmm. And there is a thing, I mean, there's probably lots of things, but there's one thing that's particularly chasing you. And I always think if something is chasing you that relentlessly, you, you could, you're not just meant to be doing it, but you can do it. You're totally capable of doing it. So start. Yes. Let that thing catch you because it'll, it'll ruin everything for just a little while and then it will be so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, once again, uh, that's taralever.com. T-A-R-A-L-E-A-V-E-R. Here it's Tara, there it's Tara. Either way, you can find her there. Um, please go buy her stuff. Please go buy her work, buy her paintings um, and love on her. Uh, because she's amazing and um you can also follow her on the instagram because she's particularly brilliant there just so you know. <laughs> um, thank you so much i'm blushing quite a lot right <laughs> thank you for listening one more time the antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body your being and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon The antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine, while quietly, or not so quietly, scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format, one gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now 
And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.